1176 and it's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hates his own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, so, good to see you here. Um, last week we looked at... So, so we're doing a three-week series on marriage. And last week we looked at the what is marriage and why. So the definition and purpose of marriage. Uh, this week we're looking at the how. So we know what it is. Uh, we know what its purpose. Hopefully, if you were here last week... How am I meant to to do this? How am I meant to love my spouse as a husband, as a wife? um, And hence Ephesians 5. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord, and husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself, himself up for her. Now this topic is electric. Um... It is very sensitive. Um, We have journalists ready to pounce on any politician who even inadvertently says something that may suggest the potential for inequality. Uh, My kids pounce on me if I sound the slightest bit sexist. Um, I want to say from the start, God is a God of love. Uh, God's word condemns unloving behaviour. Abuse in all its forms is explicitly condemned in the Bible. Um, Julia Julia Baird, a journalist for the Sydney Morning Herald and the ABC, ran a story about the abuse of women by men in the church, in evangelical churches in America in 2017. Uh, Initially it sounded like she was saying that men men in evangelical churches are more likely to abuse their partners, it came out, and it's much more clearer in subsequent um, episodes, that what, she was, what this research was saying is that men who occasionally visit uh, evangelical churches are more likely to abuse their wives. In fact, men, uh, men who 
attend, who are involved in evangelical churches in America are much less likely to abuse their wives than the, than the general population. I thought it was America. Hey? Got time? Okay. It's actually really important. Uh, it was widely known in the press. Julia Baird wrote a series of articles about um, men in Australian churches and evangelical churches who abuse their wives um, because of a couple of very gross incidences in our Anglican church in Sydney. That prompted the article. Um, that she sent that sent her away to research and others, and the research showed the only statistical work, uh, research on this in the world showed that in America, it has been done in America, and in North America, men who are regular attenders of evangelical churches are more likely to abuse their wives, and uh, men who are regular members of evangelical churches are much less likely to abuse their wives. That was the research. So she issued a little bit of a mea culpa, um, saying yes, that's the research, but. Um, men in evangelical churches stand on notice, which we do. Okay, great. Thanks for that. Uh, so I want to say uh, from the start, as you can see, it's an electric issue. Um, God is a God of love. God's word condemns unloving behaviour and abuse in all its forms is explicitly condemned in the Bible. Um, and, and that story was uh, painful to hear. Um, Abuse of anyone, it's deceptive, it is damaging, it is actually evil. Uh, when domestic abuse in marriage is reported, separation of, of the spouses for the sake of the safety of a victim and any children is an appropriate step to be taken and should never be discouraged. Our diocese has a zero tolerance to domestic violence. Reporting and help by the police is encouraged. And we are deeply, deeply sorry if that has been your experience and particularly if you've spoken up to Christians and to church leaders and you haven't been heard. We're deeply sorry for that. Uh, but I also love Ephesians 5. Uh, when my daughter, my daughter, um, got married two, two years ago, she and her husband chose this passage uh, to, for their wedding and I was nervous. Uh, I knew what it said, but I suppose partly because of the times we are in and how this might be understood. But also my daughter was offering to place herself under the authority of another man. It made me nervous. I have to say, though, that it was a beautiful day, a wonderful message. And as I see my daughter now modelling her life on this um, and my son-in-law modelling his life in this, uh, it is brilliant. Um, now, before we, we get to husbands and wives, we need to realise that the whole Bible is really a story about a wedding. Actually, when we read this passage, although it seems obvious that Paul's main concern is Christian marriage, there's another marriage. And in his view, marriage is simply a metaphor pointing to something more, something bigger. That is the profound mystery. See, what do you have if someone is apparently talking about one thing but in fact is speaking of another? What do you have if someone is apparently talking about one thing but in fact is speaking of another? You have a secret that needs explaining or a profound mystery. Ephesians 5 verse 32, Christ and the church. This wedding is going to be the most amazing event in all history. 
Although we have some pretty good venues here in Sydney for weddings, this wedding is going to be spectacular beyond comparison. This will be in the new creation. Although we have great singing and music in our weddings, this wedding will have angels playing trumpets. The food, the dessert table, stunning. And not just will be some dressed, not just will some be dressed up, but all will be dressed in their best wear, dressed in fine linen. And this is what lies ahead for everyone who is Christian. Do you think of your life as an engaged person? With the wedding day in the diary and every day uh, till then ticked off. Death is not the end for the Christian, it is the wedding day. Do you, if you are single, envy the girl with the shiny ring, forgetting that you yourself have the heavenly equivalent? Do you, if you are married, let yourself be so inward-looking that you forget the future? All of us, if we are Christian, are going to be married and actually are now engaged to Christ. And this relationship will surpass every human relationship, even the relationship of a man and a woman on earth. And let me tell you about the proposal, the engagement. Imagine having a a big bust-up with a friend of the opposite sex and you didn't talk to each other for years and years Well, it was like that with Israel and God. Serial adultery, serial idolatry, constantly disobeying God's word, but in the end brought back together in Christ. And that is our story as well as Israel's. This is how it worked. God's son comes to earth. He took on human form. He descended from heaven. Jesus, who was equal with God, became a servant. Verse 25 of Ephesians 5, As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. This is the engagement story. It's the story of the Bible, and it's our story. When I proposed to Xiang, we were best friends, not enemies. And it turned out perfect because she said yes. And there were tears of joy. I was bursting with excitement. I wanted to tell the world. Well, how about this for an engagement story? Just outside Jerusalem, nails were driven into Jesus' wrists and he was hung up on a Roman cross and he said, I love you. The beginning of a relationship with Jesus begins with his death. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Romans 5 verse 7 to 8. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the book of Ephesians and the whole Bible is about this, this incredible love of God for a people who've betrayed him and committed adultery against him. And so if you turn back a couple of pages in Ephesians to chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, we get the story. 
As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This, this is love. This is better than the most romantic film, better than the tenderest moments of a Christian marriage. And chapter 5, verse 26, Jesus goes on and he prepares the bridegroom for the wedding day. Verse 26, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, holy and blameless. Uh, it it is, does tend to be the bride that takes so much time to get ready for the wedding day. Um, so much preparation, the nails, the hair, the spray tan sometimes, the eyelashes, the shoes, right down to the, the smallest detail. In order that, on the wedding day, she would look the best that she possibly can. No spot or wrinkle or blemish presented perfectly. And that is how Jesus wants his bride to be on his wedding day, on the last day. He wants us to turn up ready to be married. Perfect. But of course, Jesus is not fussy about looks or the outside. He cares about our hearts and our lives, for that is why he died. Isn't it amazing? Now, praise the Lord. Uh, do you think of yourself as that person? And so our relationship to Jesus is like being married. And this is the mystery, verse 31 to 32. Once hidden, but now revealed. And, and the mystery is that marriage points to Christ and the church. Our relationship to Jesus is like a marriage, wonderful and good. Now, the Song of Songs in the Old Testament is a story about two lovers. Now, I think sometimes commentators push it a little bit too far and say it's all about Jesus and the church. Um, I don't take that view. Although I do believe that just as just like the whole of the Bible does, it points towards uh, Christ. Actually, our longing for love, for acceptance, for friendship, for warmth, I think even sex, a sex is good, is fulfilled ultimately in Jesus. There's no human marriage in heaven. Uh, this is how Glyn Harris puts it in his book, and I, I gave you the details last week of um, uh, his book, God, Sex and Human Flourishing. Glyn Harris puts it like this. Our pit of the stomach experience of desire, including the erotic tones of attraction and arousal, bear witness to and direct us towards the end of all longing in Jesus Christ. It's only a glimpse, of course. We mustn't mistake them for the real thing. Yet it's the incompleteness of these earthy experiences that bears witness to the only true satisfaction for our, our longing. Even our sexual interests are the teaser for the big movie yet to be released. Um, 
I think there are other parallels too, um, including the exclusive commitment to one another that is central to Christian marriage, also directs our minds to Jesus. And so a couple celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary in many ways points more to Jesus than a, a couple on their wedding day, that long, that faithful love, commitment to one another. Uh, marriage is a blessing, just as in, in many ways. Um, we looked at that last week. Marriage is a blessing, just like our, our relationship to Jesus. But actually, this is not where Paul draws the connections. What is Paul's point? What The author of Ephesians 5. Um, what does he want us to see as the connecting points between Jesus and the church and Christian marriage? What does this metaphor, human marriage, point to about Christ and the church? Well, it's headship and love. Uh, <clears throat> headship and submission, rather. Uh, love and submission. And all that that involves, which needs explaining, which I'll attempt to do. Because as you read verses 22 to 33, you notice what's being compared. And, and if you've... Um, as I read this out, I'll emphasise the word as. Notice how many times the word as is used and what's been compared. So verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And down to verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So it's a love, I think, that's been more men to focus on and sacrifice. Verse 29, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. You see what's being compared? It's this relationship. Um, um, wives submitting themselves to their husbands and husbands in loving their wives. Now, so let's have a look at this. You know, this is obviously this is critical. This is really important to Christian marriage. This, if we do this, we are putting on display. We are testifying to th th this much bigger, um, more important relationship and giving glory to Jesus. So, firstly. <clears throat> Wives, verse 22 to 24. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now it sounds 1950s. Um, <clears throat> I discovered a, a newspaper clipping doing the rounds on Facebook a couple of years ago. It's called The Good, Wife, Good Wife's Guide. Um, actually, it was going to be in your outline, but didn't make it in. But you can Google it later. The Good Wife's Guide. It's a parody and apparently never really was published in 1955 in a, in a magazine called Housekeeping Monthly. Um, but here is some of the... It's, if you're sitting up the front, you've got the advantage. You can see it. There it is, the, uh, the cartoon there. And, and this is what the wives, this is meant to do. And the picture has the wife, um, not a hair out of place, nice pressed dress, 
um, with an apron on, leaning over the stove. Kids are being, you know, playing nice, making nice, lovely noises. And, um, and the father, the husband, gets home from work and, and the, the house is pristine. You know, this is, this is, and this, this, is, this is the role of the wife. This is what she's meant to do. Um, and it's a parody, right? It's not... It's, it's making a joke of those times. I'll read some of it out. Feel free to laugh. <laughs> have dinner ready. Plan ahead, even the night before, to have a delicious meal ready on time for his return. This is a way of letting him know that you've been thinking about him and are concerned about his needs. Most men are hungry when they come home, and the prospect of a good meal, especially his favourite dish, is part of the warm welcome needed. Okay, another one. Over the cooler months of the year, you should prepare and light a fire for him to be to unwind by. Your husband will feel he's reached a haven of rest and order, and, will get, and it will give you a lift as well. After all, catering for his comfort will provide you with immense personal satisfaction. It goes on and on and on. Be happy to see him. Greet him with a warm smile and show sincerity in your desire to please him. Your goal, try to make sure your home is a place of peace, order and tranquility where your husband can renew himself in body and spirit. Right, it's a joke, okay? It's a parody. It's not what you're meant to be doing. Um, um, but it kind of sounds like, is that, what, you know, is that what he's saying here in Ephesians 5? I want to also say, no doubt, that what Paul is saying here is countercultural. But I certainly don't think he's saying, follow this good wife's guide um, you know you're not allowed to complain or uh, have no right to question him which is what this says um, Christian submission does not mean you're a doormat this does not mean that wives are inferior or should think of themselves that way or should sin if their husband demands it Genesis 1 verse 27 we're all made in the image of God Galatians 3 verse 28, we are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all equally valuable to Christ. He died for each and every one of us. Uh, in fact, there are any number of distortions and, and um, contortions of this command, abuses of the real thing. So in some religions, polygamy, subjugation, where a wife is not allowed to drive or allowed to go to school or have a career. In some religions, even ritual prostitution. Or in some cases, and this is what Julia Baird was, what I understood she was pointing out, there are some who call themselves Christian who want to take the name of Christ and use and cherry pick and take things out of context and use passages like this um, for their own selfish means. And uh, that's just taking the name of Christ in vain. I think it's disobeying the Ten Commandments, uh, making it all about themselves and repression. Those ways are all distortions. Uh, this is said to wives. It's not said to husbands and not certainly something that husbands are to get their wives to do. It's said to wives. It is a general or wide-ranging instruction. Why, uh, submit to your husbands in everything. The word submission means to arrange oneself under. Arrange oneself under. It, it is challenging. It is countercultural. Uh, it is the husband who's the head of the marriage. Um, he's to, to take on that role uh, responsibly, um, and the wife is to let him. 
So what, what he's saying here is that there is an order, an asymmetry in the roles. Mar- and it's very important to realise that marriage is not certain things. Marriage is a very special relationship. Your husband is not your CEO. Uh, your husband is not over you like a government, government official over you. Your husband is not your boss and you are one of his staff. You're, you're not his pupil. Uh, this, this is not a parent-child relationship. This is marriage. But the vibe, for want of a better word, and I don't want to go into specifics probably more than this, um, but to stick with the principle, because every marriage is going to be different and it looks slightly different, but in this beautiful, dynamic, intimate, lifelong committed relationship uh, called marriage, the woman is to respect and follow the leadership of their spouse. So when you get married, ideally... And we'll look at next week when things go wrong a little bit more. But ideally you move from the loving and protective oversight of one man, your father, to the loving and protective oversight of another man. And in that space that God has designed, God willing, you will flourish and be the woman God has designed you to be all the more. In fact, you should see and others see a tiny image of what it looks like for Christ to love the church. That is the mystery. It's a beautiful thing to put yourself in someone else's hands and say, I trust you. I'm going to let you lead me, and I'm going to trust you to make the right decisions. I'm putting my life in your hands. It's a beautiful thing, because that is what the Christian says to Jesus. When you become a Christian, you put your life in Jesus' hands and it doesn't make you any less. And I also want to say, if that sounds traditional, then we need to be a little bit humbled. Uh, The track record of the alternatives are not great. Um, Those those things we're encouraged to do since the sexual revolution of the 60s, it's not really working, uh, not really working for women, not working for men, not working for children. Um, To put yourself into the hands of someone else and say, I trust you, although countercultural, may actually be a beacon of light for this world that we live in, as as well as a real turn-off for some as well. But that's how the gospel works. Well, if you think that's a tall order, what about husbands? Husbands... Verse 25, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The key for men is to look upward, to look at the cross. There is the engine that will drive me, that will change me, that will direct me. And so marriage counselling you know, is helpful, but this is, this is gold stuff here. This is what men really need to hear. Remember the mystery, remember the engagement story. Jesus outside Jerusalem on a cross. Husbands, you are to give yourself up for your wife. You need to be prepared to die for her. Remember Jesus' priority for the church, to present her perfectly on the last day. Well, make it your ambition for your wife or fiancé. Think of that day when Jesus will be the bridegroom and you'll be walking down the aisle... Do everything you can to prepare your wife for that day. So it would be crazy for men 
to lead their wives to make a decision that wouldn't be in the best interests of their wife for her spiritual life. Husbands, love your wives as your own bodies. Now, in some areas, some places, men spend just as much on beauty products as women. We're very good at looking after our own bodies. Well, what Paul says is, is loving your wife is loving yourself. Verse 28. You actually don't have to choose between yourself and your wife in terms of priority because if you correctly understand this, you're not two bodies, you are one body. Nurturing your wife is nurturing yourself, cherishing, concern for her every need, just as Christ cared very much for his body. How did Jesus love the church? As I said, he died for, it, for her. Uh, he loved us while we were enemies. Um, he was intensely practical, costly. So if your wife has grown cold towards you, look at how Jesus loved Loving your wife may be costly in terms of your career. It may be costly in terms of your hobbies, even your friends. Your wife is not a replacement for your mother to do the washing and ironing and make your dinner. Jesus provides, gathers, protects. Jesus is truthful, he's obedient, he's honest. He lifts up the meek. Jesus is patient and he's strong. In all those ways. If your wife is not respecting you, then not insisting she does, but turning the other cheek. How many times should you forgive? 77 times, Jesus says. Meaning more than 77 times. That'll be just the first year <laughs> um, for both sides. Let's wrap this up. I want to finish with a word to singles. Understanding the mystery of marriage, that marriage points to something much greater, helps us in our appreciation of Christian marriage. I'll say that again. Understanding the mystery of marriage, that marriage points to something much greater, helps us in our appreciation of Christian marriage. It helps us to, make not, it helps us to not make too little of Christian marriage. And it helps us to not make too much of Christian marriage. Now, some will be single because they are not yet married. And they will need to keep these principles in mind as, as you think about who to marry. I would say to a Christian single friend, one of the most important things you can find in a wife, other than that she is a Christian, is a woman who can trust you and who you can lead. That is at the heart of a Christian marriage. And for the Christian woman who are single, one of the most important things you can find in a future husband, other than that they are Christian, is that he's going to love you sacrificially, that he will put your relationship with Christ first. There are some here who are single and will get married, and there are some here who are single and don't want to be single and are unhappily single. They still might get married and they may never get married. There are some who may be struggling with same-sex attraction and when you're at a wedding, you read a passage like this and you feel, I want that. But you have decided to stay celibate to follow Christ. Can I say to everyone who is single, you are not missing out. All of us are engaged. All of us will be there for that perfect wedding day. All of us have someone saying to us, I love you, I will 
as they take us down the aisle. All of us who are Christian will spend eternity in a perfect relationship with God who loved us and gave himself up for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing relationship that you offer us. As people who were once in a broken relationship with you, thank you that in the death of Jesus you said, I love you. You mended that relationship. And even more than that, you're a God who wants us to enter into the closest, you want, you want to enter into the closest relationship with us. Help us to consider that as we live. You are very much about your bride. We pray for those married, for wives, that they would trust themselves to their husband and, to, and so to be a statement to our society. And a beautiful thing would be seen. We pray for husbands that they would be sacrificial, laying down their life for their wife, for their own body. Their own body. And we pray for everyone, whether married or single, that we would look forward to our eternal wedding for Jesus' sake. Amen. Um, I'm running after this. <laughs> now, if you want to ask questions, I'll be at morning too. <laughs> Why don't we stand and praise the King together?